Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Over the past few months, we've been looking at a series of preaching that has been modelled around the values that we hold as the church. The biblical values, kingdom values that we hold together. And as we continue in this series... I found myself this morning with a choice of preaching on one of two subjects. And uh, when I looked at them to decide which to preach on first, I found that although they are quite separate, they in some way are intimately linked together. And so I found myself in a bit of a dilemma on which to speak on first, because each of them has an effect on the way we look at the other. But to try and separate them means that we look at similar ground twice, but to try and cover both angles means that we won't deal with either of them adequately. So I want you to just bear with me this time and the next time I preach, because it will look as though we're covering some similar ground but we're looking from different angles. Today's value is this. We want to be a church that is freed from complacency and endeavouring to grow in gospel impact, in faith, in prayer, in generosity, in action and in influence. It follows on so naturally from the last value we looked at. When we looked at how the visiting ministries can help us keep balance whilst gaining momentum. Complacency. Is it something we want to be free from? I think it is. So what is it? The Concise Oxford English Dictionary words it like this. A feeling of quiet pleasure or security, often while unaware of some potential danger. Self-satisfaction or smug satisfaction with an existing situation, condition, etc. So what's wrong with that? You know, there's nothing wrong with feeling secure or feeling pleased. But complacency tends to be when our security with where we are leads us to become too comfortable with things. When we stop having the desire to see things move forward or change, it stops us aspiring to the greater things. It makes us reluctant to push through problem areas. And instead, to settle. Probably for second best. The American president, Jimmy Carter, said, I hate to see complacency prevail in our lives. 
when it is so directly contrary to the teaching of Christ. But everywhere we look, we see complacency in the world around us. And the danger is, of course, that the things that prevail in our culture start to creep in and affect the church. You know, I don't think the Bible leaves us with any room for complacency. When Moses came back down the mountain from having met with God, he shared with the people of Israel the Ten Commandments that became the foundation of the Old Testament law. And this is what part of it said. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And then as we read on through Deuteronomy chapter 6, God's command becomes even more explicit. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. And these words, I command you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. As I see it, there's no room for any complacency there. We are to love God with our all. With all our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. In other words, with every bit of emotion, with every thought we have, and with all of our physical strength. All. Every bit of them. God is not looking for something half-hearted. And then it goes on further. Because we are warned not to serve any other God. He says, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. We serve a God who demands and expects everything of us. There's no room for complacency. In John's revelation, we're told of a local church that had become complacent. The Laodiceans thought they had everything they needed. And as a result, they stopped depending on God and they started to become self-satisfied. They were resting on their wealth and on the things they'd achieved instead of on God's grace and God's provision. And Jesus accused them of being lukewarm. In effect, he was saying, you are like that tepid water that flows through the city that's undrinkable. You're not fit to be drunk. 
You're only fit to be spat out. They're strong words. To the church in Ephesus, he said, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Loss of our first love is another sign of complacency. We want to be a church that is free from complacency and endeavouring to grow in gospel impact, in faith, in prayer, in generosity, in action and in influence. If you think back a few months to when we studied the book of Acts together, you'll see what a contrast the church in Acts is to the churches we read about in Revelation. The church in Acts was anything except complacent. Right from the beginning, from the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell on those early disciples in Jerusalem, what we see is a radical church. One that grew in gospel impact. One that was exercising faith daily, meeting together to pray, giving generously to one another. And a church that was in action and had a big influence. And as churches were planted out in other towns and other regions, those characteristics were reproduced. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, he commended them. This is what he said. You have become a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Archaea. The Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Archaea, your faith in God has become known everywhere. The early church that we read about in the book of Acts was certainly not complacent. In fact, it was so vibrant, so full of life, that people were afraid to be associated with them. This is what it says in Acts 5. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them. But the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. So that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were all healed. Does that sound like a complacent church to you? One where there are signs and wonders regularly being seen. Where people are afraid to join them, yet it's growing by numbers daily. So full of God's power, that whilst the people were hesitate to join them, they were drawn to it. What do we have? that we can be complacent about? Do we have anything at all that should be making us complacent? 
I don't think so. We live in a town with over 280,000 people living in it. We've got plenty of opportunities to share the gospel. While there are sick in the town, we have people we can pray for. Whilst people are living poverty, we have God's love to express to them. This is not the time to become complacent. Whilst there are other areas of life where the kingdom doesn't yet extend, we've got a work to do. Bringing the kingdom in. So if there's no time for complacency, where does it come from? It creeps in. It creeps in quietly, little by little, one small thing at a time. It takes ground, decision by decision, as we let it. When things feel too hard, when we feel we're just that little bit too tired, or we haven't got the energy. It makes us settle at a point where we feel comfortable, rather than keep pushing forward like the pioneers we're called to be. It creeps in when we stop stepping out in faith, when we stop declaring and believing the truth of God's word. It slips in when we stop praying for healing or when we give up preaching the gospel because our expectations have dropped. It creeps in when our midweek group becomes comfortable and when we don't want to see it multiply. We become complacent when we start to tolerate beliefs, behaviour or attitudes that have no place in the church. When we start turning the blind eye rather than correcting, confronting and discipling. It comes in when our adversity to camping stops us joining in wonderful opportunities to share community together. It slips in when we feel we'll allow evangelism to be done by those who are better at it. It gains a foothold when we know God has spoken to us, but don't want to share it with others. You know, to a disciple who was still mourning his dead father, Jesus said this, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. On another occasion he said, And if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his own mother and father and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. The mission of Christ's church is intended to be all-consuming. There's no room for comfort, no room for us to settle. It's meant to consume us. A church freed from complacency.
how then can we as a church avoid the pitfall? How can we stop ourselves becoming complacent and endeavour to grow in the godly characteristics as we move forward? Surely what we learn from the book of Acts is that prayer and the presence of the Holy Spirit are two vital ingredients. In the book of Acts it seems that every new initiative, every major advance of the gospel, came as a result of prayer and the Holy Spirit's intervention or revelation. The early church devoted itself to prayer. That's what we read in Acts 1. As they prayed, they experienced the manifest presence of God as he filled them with his Holy Spirit, as he empowered them to preach the gospel, as he gave them the ability to heal the sick, and then as he spoke to them and gave them dreams and visions to direct them in his mission. Prayer was the key to the release of the Holy Spirit-empowered church that made it effective in the gospel of Christ. When the Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, his presence is described like a rushing wind. Wind implies movement. It implies power. We take that static imagery so often about the filling of the Spirit as being like a glass being filled with the water. A better image, as we've said before, is like the sail of a ship being filled and driven by the wind. Because that's exactly what we see in the early church. Look through the book of Acts. Try and find some liturgy and you'll come up empty. What you will find is people moving in spontaneous obedience, propelled along by the wind of the Holy Spirit. It's prayer that invites that wind. It's prayer that hoists the sail to catch the power of the wind and to propel us into God's mission. That's the testimony of the early church and it's the testimony of the church throughout all ages. Wherever we see gospel impact, exploits of faith, radical generosity, strong social action or pervading influence, what we find is God's people moving to pray and then the Spirit giving power and direction in response to those prayers. We can see it in the history of our own family of churches. New Frontiers has been shaped by prophetic words that have come during times of corporate prayer. And some of the most significant meetings I've been in have been times of prayer with other New Frontiers leaders that have left us in no doubt that God has spoken, leading us into fresh initiatives and into advancement of the kingdom. One of the great fathers of our faith, Arthur Wallace, wrote, A movement of God will last only as long as the spirit of prayer that inspired it. I want us to pray this morning that God will continue to stir us out of complacency and inspire us 
into increasingly fervent prayer. Prayer that brings us into his presence. There's still so much for us to do together. I found a, a comment by Spurgeon. And I think it's something we need to agree with. This is what he said. I would that this mighty rushing wind would come upon his church with an irresistible force that should carry everything before it. Come Holy Spirit, come. We can do nothing without you. But if we have your wind, if we spread our sail, we speed on toward glory. So what are the dangers for us? I think the first ones are about a building. We must make sure that in our hopes and our dreams regarding finding a venue that allows us to move forward in various areas, we mustn't start to think that that alone will solve all the problems. We mustn't think that that alone will bring growth and gospel impact. In fact, it's more likely to bring a lot more work that needs to be done. It's more likely to bring more challenges as well as more opportunities. We mustn't think that that is the answer to everything. I think... We have to be wary of comfort and intimacy. We can get comfortable where we are. Instead of pushing forward into new things. We can start to change. So that we avoid the areas that challenge us. And become more like the settlers in the west. Than the pioneers. We can fear change. And we can allow that fear of change to creep in and make us hesitant to move into the things of God. But I think, as we sit here this morning, even as we look at developing our relationship with the Methodists at Carhouse, I think we have a whole new set of adventures ahead of us. There's a new set of friends. We need to be open and outgoing. We need to be welcoming and encouraging to them as we get to know them. As we incorporate them. As we invite them to things. And we need to be taking the initiative. It gives us the opportunity of moving into a whole new community. Because if we end up meeting at Carhouse, it brings the challenge of the surrounding community to work into. Developing relationships, spreading the gospel, helping those in need. And hopefully one day reaping a harvest. But it equally brings a new set of challenges. 
because Jesus never promised that our walk would be easy. In fact, he said quite the opposite. And whenever we take steps forward, we should expect to be met with difficulties and opposition. But as we move forward, let's make sure we become a church which is free from complacency and which is endeavouring to grow in gospel impact, in faith, in prayer, in generosity, in action and in influence. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk 